0: Alright, we are live. Actually, the fun thing I was going to say about this episode, is I had episode 70 the other day, Pat, if you guys, if you don't know who this is by now, this is Pat Lane, <laughs> host of the Patriot Station podcast, you can see him on SB Nation's Pat, Pat's pulpit, but this is episode 71, named after Michael Owenu, number 71 for the Patriots, boy. Super Bowl 51 hoodie, Super Bowl 59 hoodie. Yep. Oh, Pat, it's good to have you back. A week away from free agency, how are we feeling?
1: Ah, hey man, thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. I'm uh, I'm awfully excited, and I'm excited to see Michael Onwenu and Trent Brown on the same offensive line. That is a whole lot of man. Uh, and you know, maybe they can. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get into. We'll get into what the offensive line would look like. But if he's gonna play guard, maybe we could switch him over to left guard or or right guard. Just put him next to Trent Brown and uh, and 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 uh, try to wreak some havoc on that side of the line.
0: Exactly. That's all. That's all we ask for. And I also love everybody too. And I saw you were getting into some people on Twitter about it. How everyone's like, "Oh, but you don't have a quarterback." It's like you need a good offensive line to protect your quarterback. Like I think right. that's a thing that not a lot of football fans get. Like there's a lot of like the people like you and I, the ones that are dialed into the game. Like yeah, we understand that. Look, you need a good offensive line. But to me, it's always one of the most underrated positions on the field.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, look, you can't run on a, a successful offense without an offensive line, and If you have a great offensive line, you can get by with a mediocre quarterback and theoretically a mediocre running back because you have time in the pocket. They're going to open up holes for you. There are a lot of different things that you can do. And, you know, conversely, look at the Super Bowl right now. I know two guys got hurt, obviously, but like Mahomes running for his life back there. And it's because the offensive line obviously from some injuries, but either way, the offensive line was, was trash and then we're getting killed. And so, you know, if they have an offensive line, I'm not saying they win that game, if they have have an offensive line, but at least they can have some semblance of an offense where they just couldn't get anything going. And so that, you know, anyone that says that Gary Tankway tweeted out, Oh, who boring, who cares? Like, what are you nuts? Like, this is the most important thing. You have to have a good offensive line. And the Trent Brown thing is interesting because who knows what's going to happen as far as, next year is concerned, right? He signed a one year deal. Uh, we still don't know the, the terms of it. It's going to be up to $11 million, but what I would think is going to happen, um, is that there's going to be a lot of, ins- not a lot, but, uh, but a decent amount of incentives in there. And I yeah. would think with offensive linemen, it's typically playing time incentives. And so what happened, he was hurt last year. So those playing time incentives, a lot of them are are not likely to be earned. And all that means is that whatever it is, you didn't reach last year. Right. So it doesn't yeah, matter exactly. what it is. Right. So, but any not likely to be earned goes on next year's cap to 2022 cap. So it does give them some flexibility if there is some not likely to be earned stuff where it's like, yeah, he may not count $11 million against the cap might only be six or $7 million against the cap. And that's, that could be, make a big difference.
0: Especially when you have 63 or 64 million to spend. Like it's, yep. it feels, it feels good knowing that like, cause last year, obviously there's so much of the dead cap situation of guys opting out and other, other right. player movement. But this year, to have all that money, it's like we're finally at the end of that bad tunnel. And even to your right, with the whole mediocre quarterback thing, like if our offensive line last year wasn't as good as it was, like who knows if seven and nine was even a remote possibility? Like this team could have been
1: worse. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and that's the thing. And listen, I, I, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to jump right into it because people are, I wrote an article about this the other day and people were, yeah, uh, mediocre, mediocre on yeah. this, but. For me personally, I'm bringing back Joe Tooney, and you know I got into a Greg Bedard um, this morning or yesterday, whatever the hell it was or whatever, saying you know them franchising him was stupid and it was dumb, and they you know if they had got rid of him they were, they would have gotten a third round comp again for him this year, whatever. Fine, okay. First of all, if he walks this year, you get a third round comp for him. Whoop de do. Like who cares? Like what difference does it make, right? So fine. But the other thing for me is that what I look at, you know, for me personally is that. The guy's the, one of the best guards in the league, right? Yeah. You have the cap space. You have the cap space to go out and get him. Now, Isaiah Wynn, and you could say whatever you want about Isaiah Wynn, and, and the issue, I guess, with Isaiah Wynn is what are you going to get back for him if you trade him? But we know it's going to be ten point three million or $10.1 million next year for Isaiah Wynn if they pick up the 50-year option, which you should because it's dumb not to unless the guy really sucks. It's stupid not to pick it up, so you might as well pick it up. And then after that, even if he's a mediocre, t- he's a you know, say he's a top 15 tackle in the NFL, he's getting $13, $14 million a year after after next year. So if you're pay if you're telling me I gotta pay Joe Tooney $15 million a year, which by the way, Joe Tooney was the second highest paid guard last year at 14.7. Brandon sheriff who got who got franchised again this year, yeah. made 15 on the franchise tag last year. So okay, fine. He's gonna get say I have to pay him $15 million. Say I have to pay him $16 million. Don't you think? 16 million dollars the next five years is better than you know say 10 for uh 10 for um for for win next year and then you know 13 14 maybe even 15 depending on how he plays this year after that so it's just like to me it's it's kind of a no-brainer like do that move on from win. the guy can't stay out the way he's he's played in 18 career games and missed 30 like that's as your left tackle that's scary because if you're going to pay that guy and he can't stay on the field like it's 3 years in a row now he's had an issue where he hasn't been able to stay on the field and so i just i i worry about that maybe that could you know that could depend obviously change what you what you're going to get in a trade but like he's a left tackle and he's been good when he's been healthy so you can sell people on that hey you got him for 3 million dollars this year and 10 million dollars next year like try him out see what happens that's worth a third round pick you know, exactly. and then you fill in your gap between 46 and 96, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the big thing, too, because we obviously saw that the compensation picks came out. Patriots got a little hosed on that. Even, too, like, yeah. I saw you were tweeting about its bags. There's a bunch of other people, too, as well, I believe. Uh, Henry McKenna from USA Today, who does the – I'm trying to remember the name of the, the – pa- Is it Patriots Wire? Right? I think so. It's Patriots Wire. Like Because they still need to fill that void. Because even, too, you guys got me on this on your podcast where you said – I am not confident that they're staying at 15. I think they're either going to go up and get someone if someone starts to fall, or if by the time they get to 15, no one's available that they like, they're going to do like what happened last year. Cause I believe it's Ryan who said this where, um, Ryan's Spagnoli, by the way, for those of you wondering that the bill wanted Justin Jefferson. And then when Jefferson went 22 to the Vikings, that's when Bill saw his opportunity to get out. And even I remember last year, someone mess- messaging me being like, Oh, uh, Patriots only got Duggar because McKinney was gone. I'm like, at the end of the day, I was happy with the Kyle Duggar signing. So right. just based off last year's draft, that's where I also come into the whole, I'm not confident Bill's going to stay at 15. Hey, if someone falls and the chips fall where they may, then I can see it. But if not, I think Bill's going to be aggressive. And oh, the one other point I want to make, too, is I love every all the Patriot haters who keep saying this team's on a downward trajectory. I'm like, as long as the man with the hoodie is coaching this team, this team is not going to be in the basement of the NFL, in my
1: opinion. Right. And that's, and that's really what it comes down to is that Bill is the guy that's running the ship at at this point still. And look, there are, there a lot of holes? Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of holes everywhere, but remember that this team last year went seven and nine, they were in, they, they had a really good chance of winning three more games and going 10 and six. They had an outside chance of winning five more games and going 12 and four. So you look at it and just say, yeah, they were seven and nine, but like, that seven and nine, eleven and five window, there's not much of a difference, right? And and so some of the play on the field, of course, you know, whether it be the quarterback or whether it be the defense or whatever, okay, fine. It wasn't great. But at the end of the day, they're a well-coached team. They still have a good defense, they have young talent on that defensive side. And then their offensive line is great, still great. And and yeah. it's going to continue to be great. And as long as that happens, you're going to have an effective running game. And if you have an effective running game, if you can get a guy that can throw the ball. Right now, you're gonna have to have a better wide receiver one than Jacoby Myers. Love yes. Jacoby Myers, I thought he played great last year. Um, and you know, they need a number one wide receiver though, because what that does is then kind of slot everybody down. Right? Myers goes to a wide receiver two, Bird goes to a wide receiver three. You know, maybe you pick up another wide receiver to be like a wide receiver four, maybe you draft a guy. So, like, that's what you need to do, but you need a guy that's better than Jacoby Myers as your number one because. He can't function as the number one wide receiver and he's not built that way. It's not fair well, to ask him to do that, you know? And, and so it's just one of those things where it's like, you and, and I, I go, I always go back to the defensive side of the football. When I think about Hightower, Hightower coming back, you know, people are like, oh, Hightower huge. stinks. And it's like, you know, anyone that says Hightower stinks ha- clearly has no idea what they're talking about. Nice. And you can say, oh, the PFF grade of uh, KVN is better than that. I don't, I don't care. I I, I simply don't care. Hightower yeah. is, you know, arguably the most important person on that defense, but, If you go back a few years, you know, with with Felger Maz calling Van Noy terrible and he stinks and he's a terrible person, all this crap, the reason why he looked so bad is because he was playing in Hightower's spot because Hightower was hurt. Yes, 2017. Right, and Hightower comes back, and then what happens? Van Noy plays his position. Hightower plays his position. All of a sudden, Van Noy excels in his spot because he's playing his role that he should be playing, and Hightower's doing his thing, quarterbacking the defense, and, you know, and playing well as – as well with himself. And so that's the thing is that, you know, you kind of slot everyone back. So wide receivers kind of the same way. It's like, yeah, you got a number two playing number
0: one. Exactly.
1: You know, like you need a number one playing number one. And then that number two, all of a sudden is gonna look a heck of a lot better playing number two. And that number two is now goes back to number three. And that number three looks So it's like, so that it's, it's that trickle down effect of like, you know, once you get the guys in the right spot, that's really where you can see them, you know, excel.
0: Exactly, and even too, I want to go to the tight end position for a minute because obviously last year we drafted the two guys, Ossie, mm-hmm. Ossie, Keane. I still – I love that route that he ran against the Jets, but at the same time too, I'm like, where was this all year? Yeah. But it's just it, – because it's the same thing to me with those two guys where I feel like obviously they didn't get enough playing time, but at the same time too, there wasn't someone there to like develop them. Like we hit, Pat and I were talking about this off air, and I bring this up a lot on the podcast, the Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. Uh, Gronk and Hernandez, I'm, I know that one of those players, a very sensitive subject, but right. – they didn't become as good as they were, not only because of Tom, but because of Algie Crumpler. That's a blast from the past name. Mm-hmm. So if that's why when Kyle Rudolph was released, like people were telling me, like, oh, we only had this and this, and this. I'm like, if he comes in as a mentor role, I'm not mad. And now obviously that that love affair drifted when Tom Telesco decided, hey, we're not uh, franchising uh, Hunter Henry. So that's why as soon as I saw Field Yates tweet that photo of him hugging Bill from this year, and then there's another one I see of the two of them after, I believe. Um, one of the games at Foxboro, I'm just like, if that guy can come here, even though he's only 26, he's younger than me. Yeah. But if he can develop two young guys and even to have Keane going to that blocking role, like I'm not opposed to it. And that's an, like that's the same thing too with tight end. It's just another one of those critical positions that can make or break your team. Like look at Kansas City.
1: Yep. No, and that's, and that's true. You know what? I'm not as high on Hunter Henry as other people are. I like Hunter Henry. I just, he's not much of a blocker. He kind of, he's kind of more of a receiver than he is a blocker. John U. Smith is kind of similar to that, but he's a little bit more of a blocker than Hunter Henry is. And I feel like I'd rather go the John U. Smith route because he's going to be cheaper. Uh, yeah, that's another thing too. And might fit here a little bit better. I also think, you know, Asi and everyone kind of gave up on Asi after last year, but people forget, like, it's an extremely hard position to play, an extremely yeah. hard position to play. And, you know, he was out on the field wide open, and Cam's not throwing the ball. And so, yes. He had a few really bad drops earlier in the season, for sure. But, like, when you're wide open all the time and the guy doesn't throw to you, it's kind of like, what What am I doing out here? You know, and that exactly. can definitely get in the psyche of, of a guy. And look, no offseason, no OTAs, no nothing, right? Look at, look at T.J. Hawkinson. Look at how bad T.J. Hawkinson looked in his first year. And then look at what he's done since. Noah Fant is still, really still hasn't popped yet. And so yeah. it's like tight end is a really hard position to go from College to the pros, it's just very, very different. The Dalton Keene one, uh, I, that, I don't, I, I didn't like that pick at the time. I don't love that pick. I don't know if he's ever going to make an impact as a true tight end. I do yeah. think Asi, Asi can be a guy that can help them a lot. Now, whether he can be a number one tight end or not, I don't know. Right, I don't yeah. know if they believe that or not. Um, but you know, there are certain people in the you know we had throwing ice on from CBS at. at uh, to do our draft recap last year, and he was like, "This guy is a steal. I think he's the best tight end in the draft." He thought, you know, two way player can block and receive, can you know, can catch the ball. So, um, it's one of those things where it's like we don't know what's going to happen, but they absolutely one hundred percent have to have someone. And I love the idea of Kyle Rudolph coming in because, yes, he's not going to give you much in the way of receiving, but he's he is a professional tight end. He yes. knows what he's doing. He knows how to play the game. And Algie Crumple I mean, you said it, man. Algie Crumber stunk when he came here. He stunk. He couldn't receive, couldn't catch the ball. He couldn't run routes, but he, he blocked pretty well. And he could show those two guys, the ropes on how to be a professional tight end and how to go about your business being a professional tight end. And I think that that could help these two guys quite a bit. If you're bringing someone like Kyle Rudolph. So we'll see, but I, I like that idea a lot. I actually like it better than I like Hunter Henry coming in. John Smith. We'll see. Uh, It just depends on what, what, you know their, their cost is going to be i just think some of these guys like hunter is going to get paid and yeah. i have no interest in spending a ton of money on the tight end position
0: neither do i it's just one of those things when i think about it. it's like how well, everyone i, I was actually i was going through previous episodes i remember the last time you were on i remember i was just like and i'd love to see chris godwin in a patriot uniform but i knew at the same time too it was probably right. unrealistic that it would right. happen um the other things i love with the tight end position too is when everyone does these like arguments with like I heard Travis Kelsey before was like oh but why wasn't he a first round pick because coming out of college how many like Kyle Pitts is obviously an exception for that role he's uh, amazing but how many tight ends do you see that really come to the league right away and light it up like even though Hawkinson was a top 10 pick Noah Fant was I believe 19th or 20th to Denver yeah there's not a lot of these tight ends that go early that come in the league right away make an impact like George Kittle even was a fifth round pick four years Mm -hmm. ago like Gronk was a second round pick. Hernandez was a fourth round pick. There's all these tight ends. They need time to develop. So that's right. why I'm saying, like, for all the people it was like saying, uh, like Keen, like we said, bit of a mixed bag. But with Osio, I still have potential. If by maybe say 2022 or 2023, there's like nothing else there. Like we right. know, like hey, there's no more room for this guy to grow. Then we know it's a bust. But for now, it's more of a work in progress than a bust right.
1: pick. I agree. I agree 100. And that's you know, look. I mean. They can't go into this year with just those two guys at tight end. That's obvious, no, right? Not. They have to bring in someone else. But even with a guy like Kyle, just just with an addition like Kyle Rudolph, I think they're their you know, their tight end group becomes a lot better. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after a tight end in the draft. A guy like Hunter Long from BC a little bit later on in the draft is a name that keeps kind of coming up in my when I do mock drafts and stuff. I like Hunter Long a lot, and he's a guy that's gonna be drafted in the fifth round or so. And he does a lot of things they like to, they like, they like, right. He's a good blocker. He's, you know, not the best receiver, but he can get out there and catch the ball. Um, Actually funny. He's similar to like a Kyle Rudolph type where he's just a big guy, you know, as yeah. a really very willing blocker and, and, you know, yes, receiving, but not like crazy vertical threat or something like that, you know, more of a red zone target, similar to what Rudolph did. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go after the position again, certainly not as aggressively as they did last year, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. And I wouldn't hate it either because you need that, especially in this offense, you need that position. That position has to be good. And, you know, obviously it wasn't last year and it wasn't the year before that either. And, you know, shame on them for not, for not addressing the position when Gronk was still here. They should have addressed it when they had Gronk. They could, you know, two years in a row, they passed on, um, they passed on Dallas Goddard, which I thought was a mistake, which obviously turns out it kind of was. And then the next year they passed on Mike Gusecki. And, you know, I, I thought both of those guys could be great guys to come in. Similar, similar players to Gronk. Not as good, not as good as blockers, but who is. No. Right? But, like, you know, physical freaks, I thought, like, these are the types of guys that the Patriots really can excel with. And, uh, and unfortunately, they, they just didn't go after
0: them. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's kind of like, oh, like, wrong place, wrong time. Like they, they prioritize other positions more. Um, right. other guys in the draft, I wouldn't mind seeing them take is like a Brevin Jordan out of the U or even mm-hmm. uh Tommy tremble from Notre Dame. Like guys, you can get day two or day three, or even to receiver room. Um, I already envisioned Amari Rodgers in a New England Patriots uniform. Wait, like once I have, later around.
1: I have guys. a very, I have a very strict Amari Rogers rule. Every single mock draft I do, I have to leave with Amari. I have to every single time. And so, which of course means they're not going to draft him, but that's, no. that's like the guy every single And like, He's T. Martin's kid. T. Martin was part of the Brady six. How could you not have that guy? You know, like if, if, if he ends up anywhere other than New England or Tampa, it's gonna be a shame, man, because like he's part of the Brady six, he's got to either catch passes in New England or catch passes from Tom Brady. Like that's it. Those are the only two options, man. So, uh, we'll see, but that's, it would be a shame if he went anywhere other than these two, other than those two places.
0: Exactly, because even too, There's a podcast that you've got me on two for one drafts. Uh, quick little plug: Austin Gale's coming on here tomorrow night. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah. Austin oh, Gale yeah. will be live with me tomorrow night. Um, but they were they've been. T- I was listening to theirs today about the receiver room, and they're even saying like, and this is where I don't want Patriot fans to freak out. But if they don't get someone in the first round, like, don't freak out. This is a deep yep. receiving class. Last year, obviously, was very star heavy, and there was a lot of guys in later rounds, like Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, who went to the Bucks there's going to be a lot of guys available day two and day three in the draft mm-hmm. for receivers. So if the Patriots don't get someone in the first round, I'm not going to be freaking out. Like everyone's going to go, Oh, why didn't Bill do this? This this?" It's like, guys, let him let Bill be bill. Because at the end of the right. day, what's it called? I think that day two and day three is more important in the draft room for a team than day one. Cause obviously day one is important. You're going out there, you're getting your star, but I feel like day two, day three is where a lot of the arguments come about. Like, Right. How, for example, with that book, I'm going to go back to just a quick spoiler to that how Bill was shocked that Tom was still on the board and then eventually he was just, you know what, take a shot. Right.
1: Right. Just and that's it. I mean, like that. No, that's what happens. I mean, and that's yeah. it. Like, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it, in day two, day three, you're looking for guys that can be impact players that kind of fit a specific role. Right. And you say, OK, this guy that wasn't a first round pick for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't have the skill or he's not developed or, you know, he's he's limited in certain ways. But you know, we think that he can still, he can still contribute. Right. And then you get him in the building and then who knows that guy might turn out to be very good. He might turn out to stink. like who the heck knows. But I think certainly day day two, I mean, Belichick has, has, you know, classically, he loves day two. He loves it. Right. He's, he's always drafting the second and third round. And so, you know, and that's why I said to me, the biggest thing for me, and you know, what I've really said, and anytime I do a mock draft, what I said, I've done a few uh, live ones on, on, on locker room. On the app that uh, that we that we're both on, um,
0: better than Clubhouse.
1: Yeah, but uh, I th- I agree. But um, but anyways, but I've done a few, and my thing is this, right? There's like two or three guys that I'm looking at at 15. That's it. Yeah. Jalen Waddle, you know, Micah Parsons, Kyle Pitts. That's it. Those are the, those are the three for me. And maybe maybe if you know, depending on what happens with Stephon Gilmore, if Farley or um. Uh, or the other kid, Sertan. Sertan. If Farley or Sertan drops to 15, okay, then then I'll consider one of those guys. But beyond that, if those if those four guys are gone, I'm trading out of 15 because you have a, a gap between 46 and 96, and that's a 50. That's 50 picks in the top 100 where you're not going to have one pick. That's disastrous, and the Patriots won't let that happen. And it happened last year. They had uh, they had traded their second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. So what yep. did they do? They trade back at at twenty three. They move back to thirty seven, and they pick up uh sixty. Is it sixty? I think they picked up. So yes, you know, something so, like that. So that's what they were doing. Is that they they said, you know what, we got to get another pick in here. So let's move back, and we'll pick up an extra pick. Um, you know, kind of go from there. And that was, look, is it ideal? No. Like, do you want do you want to have to trade back? No. But I think that there's a lot of talent in this in this year's draft. I really do. Um, especially at the places that you're looking for, there's, a, there's some really good corners. There's a ton of good wide receivers, this wide receiver class, you know, look, the last two wide receiver classes were so incredibly deep and you ended up with draft picks. You ended up with Nikhil Harry and that's it over the last two drafts. And that's unacceptable. I'm sorry, Bill. It's just, it is. And, and you know, and we talked about, Spax talks about it all the time. You know, there were five, seven guys, seven wide receivers drafted after Justin Warwasser that made the, that made the 53 man roster out of camp seven and Roarwasser never even made the roster. So it's one of those things where it's like you drafted a kicker in the fifth round. Nick folk was great this year. I get you wanted a kicker. I get it. Number one, that guy wasn't even was on zero people's boards. Zero. No one even talked about that guy. And so it was like, you could have gotten that guy whenever the hell you wanted. Right. He doesn't even make the team to begin with. And it's like you had opportunities, right? Two picks later, you mentioned Tyler Johnson. He went two picks later, right? So it's like you had an opportunity to go out and get some of these guys, and he didn't do it. And, you know, that's just flat out. It's negligence is what it is. Like You you have to get – and I get it, right? That guy wasn't going to come in. If you drafted Tyler Johnson, he would have sucked. He would have sucked in New England last year. He would have. I'm I'm telling you that right now. Tyler Johnson would have sucked in New England last year. He played in Tampa. He was the fifth option in Tampa Bay. So he went out there, and the scrub corner is covering him. Like, yeah, okay, fine. He got open against that guy. Great, but he would have sucked in New England because they didn't have anyone. But that's no, not the point. Exactly. You know, you you got to get more guys that you can throw out there and at least run some routes that are at least competent wide receivers. And so, you know, they have to address it this year. And I hope they go after multiple multiple guys. They've done it before. They did it with Dion when they drafted Dion Branch and David Givens in o two o three. I think it was. I, I, was I think I think it was O2. So they drafted Branch in the second round. They drafted Givens in the seventh round. They've done it. Yeah, you know, they did it in uh, twenty thirteen when they drafted Dobson and um and what's his name uh, uh Josh Boyce. You know, so they've done it before. They have Malcolm attacked Mitchell. that position. They Malcolm Mitchell, right? But so you know they've done it where they've attacked multiple guys. I think they have to go after multiple wide receivers. It's a deep enough class. You have guys like Amari Rogers, Josh Palmer, Shai Smith that are guys that, are, that I think are playable guys that you're going to be able to get in the 4th 5th 6th round. I mean you you have to go after that. I'm not saying draft a you know draft a guy in the first round. I'm not saying that. Because no. for me personally, I don't think you, I don't think any of those guys are going to be available at 15. I think all the wide receivers are going to be gone. I think all the t- all the quarterbacks are going to be gone. I think the corners are going to be gone and then you're going to be sitting there Christian Darius is going to be the best player on the board and then you're like, "Well, at 15, that that'd be a stupid pick at 15." so you trade out and you say okay let's go back and we'll try to pick up an extra pick and you know kind of go from there so we'll see i think the other option the other option now is a trade out and yeah. again we you mentioned it earlier like you know you have to get the quarterback and and the so the quarterback situation is tough right cuz here we are and we're looking at it saying all right who's out there and i tweeted out today i said you know i said just to recap i w- i'm in on every single guy everyone yeah. <laughs> any wide, I'm like, oh, that guy got cut. Oh, that guy sounds interesting. Oh, that, yeah. okay. Like, bring him here. Like, come on. You know, Kyle Van Noy. Okay. Right. That's it. You know what I mean? That's it. Exactly. You know, yeah. Kyle Van Noy. Uh, what's his name? Got Who, Who's the wide receiver got cut today? Um uh John Brown. John Brown. John Brown is cut. Okay. We'll bring him in. All of them. And I'm like, but zero tight quarterback. I don't want any of them. None of them. None of the quarterbacks are available. Jameis. No, thank you. Cam. No, thank you. Fitzpatrick. No, I don't want any of them. I want none of them. And so you have to figure, but, but You have to go into the draft with the quarterback. You have to have – you have to walk into the draft at the end of April with your – assuming you have your starting quarterback on your roster right now because if you walk into that draft saying we're going to get our starting quarterback in the draft, that's going to be a huge mistake because what if quarterback goes one, quarterback goes two, Miami either trades out or drafts a quarterback at three, and now Atlanta's on the clock at four – and if I was Atlanta, I'd take a quarterback. I would take a quarterback this year. I don't know if they will, but like it's possible quarterback goes one, two, three, four. And I, we, oh, we've never seen that ever before, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it was this year, the way that the league is going, the way that, you know, there it's such a quarterback reliant league. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. And now you're like, Oh crap, we need Mac Jones. And we're going to have to trade up into the top 10 to get Mac Jones and give up yeah. what a first round pick next year. Like, That would be disastrous. So you have to go into that draft saying, look, if a guy is there, if field starts dropping and we can get up to nine or 10 or eight or whatever and get him, and we don't have to give up a first round pick next year, we do it. Right. But, but you know, Hey, we have the guy, we have a guy. We feel like he's going to be all right. We feel like he's gonna be decent. So we're okay rolling with this guy, but if we can get someone else, great. And, and then you kind of go from there because you never wanted to go to the draft hamstrung like that because then, then, and everyone knows it too, right? If you're sitting at, if the Cowboys sitting at 10 and you need to go up and get Mac Jones because you don't have a starting quarterback, the Cowboys know you don't have a starting quarterback. So you say, okay, <laughs> give us your first round pick next year. And you're like, no, they're like, all right, click like that. And then now what, you know? So it's just like, you never want to be in that situation where, you know, they can they basically have you over a barrel and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and that's a situation that Belichick hates being in and I can't imagine he does it. And so unfortunately they're going to have to deal with it ahead of time. Uh, I'm hoping Sam Fran deals for Sam Donald. And if they do that, then Jimmy G is on the market and whether Jimmy G gets traded or whether they cut him. Um, I think that that, that that kind of makes the most sense for them because I'd love Sam Donald. They're not getting Sam Donald, right? Uh, there are a few other guys out there that I kind of like, but it's like, Jimmy G kind of makes the most sense right now. Who else are we going to choose? Like, I just, you know, I don't know. And so yeah. he'd have to renegotiate his deal, which I think he would. Um, but you know, it's one of those situations where there's not a lot of options out there. Unfortunately,
0: exactly. It's, it's, it's slim pickings. Cause even to the perfect example of the whole bite, it's kind of like, you have to bite the hand that feeds you or in a sense right. where I, I, I brought this up recently, but there was a sports illustrated thing that Peter King did at the 2017 draft of John Lynch. John Lynch's first draft as a GM, and going to that draft, they knew, hey, the Bears were aggressive. The Bears needed a quarterback. So the Niners were at two, Bears were at three, but Lynch says, hey, I want three additional picks on top of that just to move up one spot. And Lynch like Lynch, knew all along, we're taking Solomon Thomas, but they had to kind of trick the Bears into thinking, hey, we may take Mitch Trubisky. You know, we're kind of flirting with the idea. And all along, they were like, we want Solomon. So then they got the deal done, and then they had to give up, three additional picks. So not only does Ryan Pace look bad for trading up to get Mitch, but you have to give up all that extra capital to get him. So I don't want the Patriots to be in that position right. where in like 2024, three years down the road from now, yeah. we're looking at it. Like, why did we get ourselves into that mess? But I, tr- I trust Bill enough not to get ourselves into that mess. So the only other thing I'll say about the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is if he gets released somehow, if John Lynch decides, you know what, we're going to cut him. So we don't have to pay him. The Belichick gifts will be lying wild okay. on Twitter. Okay. Like it's not even gonna be funny. People are gonna be like, oh God, he's a patriot. I'm like, well yeah, did you not see the post game footage from week seven? It's
1: after gonna they be kicked our ass. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be yeah. a revis situation where like you know Revis gets cut and then within like within like 12 hours he was a patriot. So it's like yeah. you know, it's one of those situations where if that happens it, and listen, San Fran, if I'm San Fran, I'm moving him right now. You know, yeah. because once you get another quarterback on the roster well, now it's like, well, why am I going to send you anything? I mean, I guess, sure, like send them to me so that I can have him, you know, and I don't have to, I don't have to bid against thirty-two other teams to get him, But he has a no-trade clause, right? So, like, if he wants to come to England, I mean, he has to agree where he's going, anyways, right? So exactly. it's like, why am I going to send you anything in a trade with him on that contract when, when you cut him, you don't, they don't, they don't have any dead cap with him. They're not going to pay him twenty-five million dollars in the cap. It's stupid. Especially when they can cut them and get all their money back. So, you know, to me personally, it's one of those things where I look at it and I just think like, this is, you know, that's kind of where I've been all along. Six, seven months I've been talking about Jimmy G coming here. You know, look, I I don't, I don't love it. He's gonna be thirty this year. Like, he's not, he's not a great player. I think he's a winner. I think he's a winner. Everywhere he goes, they win, right? And so, like, but he has to stay healthy. That's another thing with the Isaiah Wind thing. It's like same thing. Can he stay on the field? If he can stay on the field. I'm confident in his abilities, especially in this, in this system, but like, here. can he stay on the field? And it's like, then if he can't now, what? Right. So it's like, and especially at that position, if that guy can't stay on the field. Then like, you're screwed. You're the freaking 49ers last year, you know? Like, so that's, that's the issue where it's like, you look at it in, or the 49ers, what? In 20, when they drafted Bosa in 2018, right? Yep. 2017. No, no. Or 2019. that can't be right. 2019. Right. So 2018, Jimmy, G goes down with the ACL and they get the number 2 pick in the draft and it's like you know because their quarterback was out and it's like the you know, same thing's going to happen here if you invest a ton in a guy in a guy that can't stay healthy that's that's a losing proposition and so you have to be careful about that he's not the answer though so he'd be a bridge quarterback you'd be bringing someone else in and that that's interesting like what's going to happen if if you know yeah I don't know they are still going to make a move put it to that way right if Jimmy G comes in and uh, and field starts dropping to 10, 11, 12. But well, Page looking at it saying, Well, gee, we get Jimmy G, but so what? We got to go get that guy, you know what I mean? And yeah. then and then it looks at it like, Hey, you know, sit, sit behind Jimmy G for a year, go from there. And if Jimmy gets hurt, well, you can go in, you know. So, um, I think that that's still a position where it's like, Yeah, we can have him and be not be terrible, but if a good quarterback comes along, we can still pick him up,
0: exactly. Because if the right player comes along, like, look at the uh, look at the Chiefs in 2017. They had Alex Smith, no obligation to get a quarterback. Andy Smith, Andy Smith, Andy Reed had a uh, gut feeling. He's like, all right, I believe in this kid from uh, Texas tech drafted yeah. him. And look at four years later, they won a super bowl. He's the face of the franchise. He's practically the face of the league now. Yeah, and even too, now there's all those reports coming out later where it's like, Oh, Hey, the saints at 11 were targeting him. Like it was just who moves up ahead of who so right. even here, it's, 2021 is going to be the same thing. This draft is going to be exciting. It's going to be nerve wracking, like free agency next week's too. Like it's literally yeah. going to be like, just looking at the phone, seeing like, Oh, who gets released or who are we talking to? But I heard this about the Man, Jack free
1: free. agency yeah. next week. It's in
0: five days.
1: I yeah. can't wait. It's five days. Legal Anyways, tampering. I'm sorry. Le-
0: legal. Tampering. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But like, like here's the big thing with like free agency too, though. It's like, I don't want the Patriots to go out and just like spend their wad on like, right. I know it's a weird word, but like on all like just a bunch of players. Like I heard going back to two for one, I heard them say earlier this week, they don't think Jacksonville should do it because Jacksonville's not going to be in that win now mode. Like if the Patriots, like I know obviously it's two very different scenarios, mm. but for the Patriots, don't go out and just spend it on two players. Like there's a lot of in house that has to get done. Like yeah. for example, too, though, Dante Hightower is a perfect example of off field guys because for as good as your on field performances, Right. A lot of what the off-field chemistry in the locker room is determining it helps determine who wins the Super Bowl. Like we saw right. with Tampa, like how well Tampa clicked as a team off the field. Like seeing the video of like Gronk and Brady laughing, even though it pains me inside. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, they have that off-field chemistry. Like Kansas yeah. City, it's the same thing too. Like you see, like Mahomes and Kelsey like hanging out. There's that viral video of them like dancing at a wedding or like grooving at a wedding while I one of the special teamers is getting married. It's just little things like that with high tower that I think is going to help restore faith in the locker room. And right. I say the same thing too all the time about Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater, one of the most underrated members of this team. Because who's the guy that's always breaking down the huddle? It's not the big mm-hmm. guys. After a mm-hmm. win, who says how we feel about this? It's him. Mm-hmm.
1: Slater's is the best. He's the exactly. best. Exactly. Yeah, he's you know he's and that's it. Like it's not. And the other part of it too, and, and you know the 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 Patriot way right gets blown out of proportion. And oh, is it Belichick? And is it Brady? Is it this? And that? the Patriot way is very simple, right? It's you come to work, you do your job every single day and you don't complain about it. And you don't bitch about it. And you don't, you know, put up a fuss about it. And you don't argue, you just do your job. You just show up and you work hard and that's what you do. And you know, it's guys like Hightower and Chung and McCordy and Slater that do that and show the way for those young guys to be like, Hey, this is the way we do things around here. You know what I mean? And it's when, when it's running well, right. When it's running well, it doesn't like you don't need the coaches doing that. I remember I forget who it was. Uh, maybe McGinnis was telling the story. You know, I thought it was a young guy, but either way, you know, young kid, rookie shows up in the locker room with with McDonald's, right? Come, you know, early morning practice shows up with McDonald's, and Willie walks over and he like and he looks at me goes, "We don't need that shit around here, buddy. You got to get, you get your freaking body right." Like that's not a coach saying it. That's that's the, a veteran walking over and, and schooling up a young kid and saying, this is what we do around here. This is how we do it. Because when the, when it's running right, Bill's not the guy that's running things, right? Bill's talking to the captains and the other guys that, run, that are running things. And that's what you want. And I think that that, for the most part, is how it's worked in New England for 20 years, right? Yes, Bill is that guy, you know, hey, he's kind of running things and he's this and that and whatever. But, like, for the most part, the guys that are doing the most policing are the players and that's the way you want it to be because they're all collegial. They all work together. And that's, you know, that's what they have. That's what they've had for a long time. And so guys like McCordy, and I mean, McCourty, people shit over McCordy when he, when he made the transition from corner to safety and this and that. And you know, Bill, I'll never forget after was it 20, was it 2011, 20, 2012 season, one of those seasons. Then he looked at him, you know, they were in the locker room and he looked at McCordy and he goes, you can play for me any day, man. I love you, buddy. And that's yeah. like, It's just one of the, he just, he loves what he brings to the field. And you said it perfectly, like not just on the field, but off the field too. You have to have those guys and they have a ton of them. And so they're going to be looking for more of them. Now, obviously you got to have the guys that can produce on the field too. Right. So like, you know, that have their questions maybe off the field or whatever, but like, you know, we'll see. I want them to get aggressive. They have the least amount of money. They have the least amount of salary cap, um, promised in 2022 and 2023, they have a ton of money this year and they have a ton of money in the next two years. So I want them to go out, be aggressive and spend, you don't have to spend everything. Right. But like you said, there's a lot of guys that Adam Butler has to get paid. Lawrence guy has to get paid. David Andrews has to get paid. What are they going to do with Joe Tooney? Like, so there are some questions in house before you can kind of get to that other stuff, but you can kind of push things out a little bit, right? You can say, Hey, we're going to give you a big deal, but it's, you know, Year three is going to be that big bump, right? Instead of year one, right? As far as salary cap wise, so it's it's some of that stuff that you can look at and say, hey, we can kind of finagle it around a little bit because they have so much to play with in the next few years. Whereas, like a team like the Chiefs, they have nothing to play with in the next few years, right? Whereas, like they have to spend everything now, and they're kind yeah. of already over the cap anyways. But they have to spend everything now because. You know next you know the next few years it's it's astronomical what they owe so that's really for the Patriots they they can they have the ability to go out and spend but at the same time like I don't want them like you said like to go out and get Hunter Henry Ant-well, and while Robinson, they can't get Alan Robinson you know, like, go, go out and get Alan Ro- yeah right it's like why are you doing that like what are you doing like you don't need to spend a ridiculous amount of money on two guys right go out and get yeah get a, a bunch of mid level free agents go get Curtis Samuel go get Corey Davis go get Adam Humphries, right so go get John Darrell Brown
0: Casey.
1: and that's it right go get all those guys bring them all in bring 10 15 guys in or whatever and they're gonna yeah. do that anyways you know they, they're gonna bring some uh Adam Humphries is, is an interesting name that they could bring in There's guy's like uh, is he small line, a small
0: receiver
1: I uh, see you know there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that so <laughs> it's but the mold. but it's also like to me it's like there's gonna be those guys that we've never heard of where you're like wait who's that guy who the hell is that guy? And then he comes in yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, he's pretty good. So, you know, there'll always be guys like that. Bill is always going to be looking for guys like that. There are some under-the-radar guys that we won't even be talking about that they'll sign yeah. that, of course, everyone will be like, oh, so stupid. And then, like, you know, a few months later, we're like, oh, huh, that guy? Oh, he's pretty good. You know, so it's just that's the way it'll be. Um, but, you know, really, I want them to spend, and they don't have to spend everything on two guys. You know, don't you don't think to get the best guy but go out there and spend, cause you have the money to do it. Like go on and, and, and get some guys, you know? Um, and like I said, to me, the two names to me that I want them. And of course everyone kind of, everyone in the week feels the same way, but it's Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis. Like those are the two guys for me that it's like, Samuel brings something that a lot of guys in the league don't have. And that's speed and explosiveness. They just, he has a different gear of it. Is he a great route runner? Not necessarily, but so what, the, what difference does that make? Like, Give them the ball and let's see what happens. You know, Carolina did a great job of that last year. They hadn't really figured it out until last year, but yeah, they did a great job of it last year. Line them up in the backfield. Run them, you know, run quick screens to them. Run right, jet jet sweeps to them. Run all that stuff. Like, that's, get them the ball. Just get them the ball somehow, you know? And, and, exactly. and I think that that's what they did. They did a really nice job of doing that last year. You can't have five guys like that, but you can have one guy like that. You know, Cordell Patterson did that with the Patriots for, for a year and was pretty successful doing it.
0: Exactly and then he went to the Bears and now he's kind of he's he's there but he's back to his old role. But right. I come I just came not with this metaphor while you're talking. It's kind of right. like why buy a but like just like one or two like luxury cars when you can have like 10 normal cars that can work just as well that are going right. to cost you a fraction of the price.
1: Right. That's
0: it. Yeah, like that's, that, that's that's the thing like at the end of the day too it's would we like to see them sign like I saw like People on Twitter are tweeting at uh, Doug Hyatt from, and at, uh, from Nessun saying like, oh, what are the possibilities that we sign like Galladay and uh, Henry? And it's like probably unlikely. Like if they can get either one of them, great. If they can, if they get like, say if they get Galladay, but it's like, oh, why didn't you get Henry? Because I'd rather ha- have Galladay where you're paying him double digits and then go out and get like a Johnny Smith or a Kyle Rudolph, who probably will be in a single digit million, even though that still is a lot of money to you and me. Right. But for NFL standards, it's cheap. So all I'm saying right. is, look, spend your money. You have the money but spend it wisely. That's the only thing that I ask from Bill.
1: Right. No. And you're right. Right. Go out there and spend it, but no. don't, you know, I mean like we, and Bill doesn't typically do that anyways. We've seen it though. Right. No. Uh, and he's, he's had, a, he's had a few hits and he's had a few misses, right? He, he, he missed badly on a Thomas, although in 07 he was great. Obviously he had some, you know, he had some attitude problems that, that led to him not being so good here, but you know, but a Thomas, for a year was extremely good. I mean, he had a phenomenal game in the Super Bowl. Uh, he's a very good player. He just, unfortunately his attitude stunk. Um, and so that was an issue. Albert Stephon, Albert, well, Albert Hainsworth was, a, was a guy, he's a flyer, right? He was a, you know, he was a, Hey, let's see what happens, you know, but yeah. Stefan Gilmore day one, that one worked out. Okay. You know, like so. day one, Danny Amendola and now like, Amendola had to take a few pay cuts to stay here, but overall pretty good signing, you know? So like, they've attacked some guys early on and spent decent money on some guys early on and it's paid off for them, you know? And so we'll see where they target guys like Tim Patrick, Tim Patrick is a guy that I think that they might go after Tim Patrick, uh wide receiver from, from Denver. No one's really talking yeah. about he's a, he's a restricted free agent. They did a similar thing with Wes Welker where, um, you know, they went, Wes Welker was a restricted free agent. They acquired him by trade, but he was restricted free agent in Miami and they, they just called Miami and said, look, we're going to sign him to a deal. You're not going to be able to match. And so, like, it's just like you just might as well trade him to us and we'll send you an extra pick. And they said, yeah. okay, fine. So they sent him a second and a seventh. And so, the, and they ended up trading for him and then they negotiated a new contract with him. I, I could see a similar thing happening with Tim Patrick. I don't know what they're going to put on him. I wouldn't be surprised to see if it was like a third round tender that they put on Tim Patrick because he's fine. He's not great, but he's fine. I wouldn't be surprised to see like a third round tender on him. And then you call him up and say, Hey, look, we're just, you're not going to be able to match our offer. So let's, let's give you, we'll give you a third and a fifth or a third and a sixth and, you know, and yeah. send them to us. And they'll say, All right, you know, fine, take them, you know. So it's one of those situations. Or maybe they just say, Yeah, we're going to give him a deal. And if you match it, you match it. And so we'll kind of see. They screwed up with, um, they screwed up with uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who's, who's also a free agent now. Yeah. But, you know, way back in the day, when he was with the Steelers, was was a restricted free agent, and they offered him, they lowballed him, and they thought Pittsburgh wasn't going to be able to match it because they were up against the salary cap, and they did, and they screwed that one up. Um, You know, I think that if you know if you gave Bills some truth to him, he, he he'd tell you he was upset about that one because he wanted him there here, and he would have been a good player here, and he just he just didn't offer enough, you know, and that's that's really all it comes down to. And so I think I think you'll see that happen again this year. Um, Again, I don't know who, but Tim Patrick, I think, makes a lot of sense. He does a lot of the things the Patriots like. And so, uh, again, under the radar, but that's an under radar name, right? If, uh, they all of a sudden trade for Tim Patrick. People are like, Tim Patrick? What, where the hell did that come from? You know? So, it's like, it's going to be guys that we're not talking about. It could it's be a guy like Curtis Amo too, but but it's going to be guys that we're not really talking about. We're not really discussing them uh, bringing in that they're going to get. And that's the same thing with the draft. Like, you know, everyone's, oh, this guy and that guy and this guy. It's like, you know, you know that's why, like, I'm not a big Mac Jones guy at 15. Um, but like, I, I'm, I'm enthused that a lot of people have him, have the Patriots taken him 15. Cause I'm like, well, if enough people got him there, you know, it's not going to happen. So like, we're good, <laughs> you know?
0: Exactly. Cause the other thing I've come to learn just quickly, cause I know you have to run, but um, I know for a fact too, that if you hear people like insiders talking about like the only time I've ever seen this actually true is with Gilmore, where it was like, oh, Hey, Gilmore's going to try to steal with New England. Besides that, if you hear someone's like- name in the rumblings for new England, they shut it down immediately because they know they, they, Bill keeps everything very close to the chest. He doesn't want like anything getting out. So we'll see what happens. But like, you're right, though. It's going to be those like off the wall guys or guys are going to go, Oh, why didn't you go get him, 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 or him? It's like, look, I, tr- at the end of the day, I trust him. I trust right. Bill. Yeah. Is he going to strike out on every, is he going to hit a home run at every move? No. But what GM does? Like, there's a lot of the GMs who, you know what? They have strikeouts and they have home runs. That's, that's just the love hate relationship that we have to have as football fans.
1: Well, and that's it. I mean, people listen. The, the amount of people on Twitter and elsewhere that say he's a mediocre GM or not good. And it's just kind of like, come on, man. Like, we've been doing this for 20 years. Like, what yeah. what more do you need to see, right? And it's like, well, he's a great coach. So, you know, he can get over him not being a great GM. And it's like, well, but but not really, though. Like, look at the guys. Yeah. That, the guys they brought in. Mike Rabel. Rob Ninkovich. Like, Kyle Van Noy. Guys like. Rodney like, Harrison. Right. Akeem Ayers. Like, all these guys that were like way under the radar guys and people are like, ah, these guys stink. Or God you guys, exists. you know, can't, right. And then it's like, oh, you guys can't do anything. And you're like, mm-hmm, okay, let's see what they do, you know? And so it's some, it's, it's some of that stuff. And, you know, that stuff drives me nuts. I will say one of the things you mentioned about not hearing a lot. That's why I, I, I firmly believe that Cam Newton will not be back next year because what have you heard about Cam Newton? All you've seen, heard, I'm an
0: athlete, nothing.
1: No, no, but, but. No, no, no. But I mean, but I mean, in the media,
0: you've oh, heard okay.
1: all you've heard is Bill loves him. Bill raves about him. The Patriots think that he would have been great in their system another year. If they had another year here, it'd be great. Exactly. Why why? If you're gonna bring him back, why would you be saying those things? That's a terrible negotiating tactic, right? Like that you you're not gonna sit there saying, Oh, this guy was awesome. But, you know, and then you then you go to him and say, hey, you know, we're, we want to sign you into a deal. He's going to say, well, yeah, OK, you really want me. So pony it up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not yeah. that's not. So to me, that's not realistic. I look at it and say they're saying those good things because they want him to get a job. They they genuinely like him. Yeah, but they but they're moving on from him. But they want him to get a job somewhere else. So they're going to say nice things about him. So the next person will will sign.
0: It's like it's I'm, I'm going to a quick cooking metaphor you don't put a turkey in the oven without uh, basting it or buttering it. You don't put it in dry. You've right. got to add ingredients. It's even too, it's like a steak. You're not just going to cook a steak just like that. No, you're going to add salt. You're going to add pepper. You're buttering them up for other teams. So someone sees right. like, oh, Bill loves them. Well, yeah, let's sign them. And then yep. like, if he ends up being the same cam that he was in 2020, it's, oh, crap. We look stupid. And Bill's just on the sideline doing his like little, <laughs> little right. like awkward smile laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well known for on.
1: Well, and that's it, you know, but, but like I said, I think that for them, I think it's also, they genuinely do like them. Right. And I think they genuinely, like, I think they really feel that way, but that stuff wouldn't be public if they were sitting back to trying to renegotiate a deal with them. You know what I mean? So that's where I look at it and say, okay, like we want you to do well. We want you to succeed. We're excited. You know, we're excited about your opportunities and everything else. And we want you to have a ton of offers, but it's just not gonna be here, you know. I,
0: I like you, but I like you as a friend.
1: Right, exactly exactly. Yep, exactly.
0: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> as soon as you were saying that, I'm just like that's the words coming in my mouth. He's he's yep. friend zone. He's it's like, look, you're a good guy, but you're not dating Like, I don't want right. to be your I don't want you exactly. to be my boyfriend. I wanna be a friend, I wanna we're be friendly with you.
1: Stick you in the friend zone, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> that horrid zone that we guys know just sucks. But you yep. know what? Sometimes it, it happens,
1: it's the way it goes. Oh, yep. Well,
0: anyway, I know you got to get going, and uh, guys, for those of you who want to uh, check it out at 9.30 on Pat's Pulpit uh, Pat's Pulpit YouTube, YouTube channel. And
1: yeah, Pat's on YouTube, and we'll actually be on live on Twitter, too, uh, my Twitter and uh, and Spags' Twitter as well. So Will we bring
0: it on Alex yeah. Barth.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Done your homework.
0: Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I have uh, good eyes on Twitter. But anyway, Pat, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to continue the podcast by myself, but it was a wow. blast having you on. I'll have to get Thanks you on after you, free agency for some reactions to see... Where the hell exactly this team went, and if we're happy about it, or if we're a little on the edge about it? For
1: sure, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confident they're going to make some moves, so we'll see. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, and I uh, looking forward to looking forward to coming on again.
0: Sounds good. I uh, always appreciate having you on, too. Of
1: Course, man. Anytime, anytime. Yeah. I'll talk right, to cool. you,
0: buddy. Talk to you later. And uh, I'm just going to go on live. So if he's one, wanna... there we go. He is gone. Pat Lane is uh, out of the room. I'm still going to continue live though because. I got nothing else to do. It's Wednesday night. Uh, Randy, I know I was ignoring your questions before, but we were just getting into the talks because this is something that I want to talk about. This is something that I want to open my audience up more to Is the CFL working. I'm going to get my microphone more back in the shot now. Um, here's the thing. The CFL-XFL partnership, I am a little hesitant about it just because obviously the rules are very different with the CFL for those of you who do not know. The CFL, it's three downs. The fields are much wider. There's goofy rules involved. The the pace of play, obviously, is a lot slower than the NFL just because of, um, obviously, the talent level is not as good. But here is the thing. The pros outweigh the negatives by a mile. Exposure like this for the league is great. If the CFL can pull this off, and Randy Ambrosia has been, that's the commissioner of the CFL. That's our the Canadian Roger Goodell. Except he's not hated. But here's the thing. Any exposure for the CFL is going to be great exposure, especially in the in the United States. Because a lot of the players who come to the CFL are kind of players who didn't exactly work out in the NFL. You have like the Toronto Argonauts. You go look at their shunnings. Shane Ray and Martavis Bryant. Pittsburgh Steeler, but got in trouble for weed. And Shane Ray, who was a draft pick from the Denver Broncos. Um, I'm not a big CFL fan, but I follow the league well enough. And also to my family, my extended family, my uncles, uh, love the CFL. My grandfather, God rest his soul, uh, was a CFL play-by-play announcer and sideline reporter back in the seventies, eighties, nineties. I didn't think back in the sixties and fifties too. Um, so yeah, but this is a thing. It's like a lot of players are saying the exposure that this can have for the league will be fantastic. If they can use this and kind of incorporate it where, you know what, it's kind of like, If an XFL player gets cut, hey, guess what? There's a spot for you on a CFL roster. It may knock a not-so-good player off of a CFL roster, yes. But you know what? You're going to be bringing more star power into it. And I know for people saying, oh, but it's just the XFL. There's not a lot of star power. It's more star power than what the CFL currently has. So the only thing I got to say about this, it's it's like what they say. Any publicity is good publicity. That's what this is for the CFL. Um... And the other big thing, too, with this is, like I said, it could be a win-win for both leagues. Like, I don't know how this wouldn't work out. This is this is a huge deal for Canada. This is a huge deal for Canadian football. It's like you said right here. I'm going to put this up on the big screen. It can help out for both leagues. Um, as for those of you wondering right now, it is Wednesday night. I am watching AW Dynamite off the side right here. It was on the entire time. So I am watching Dynamite right now. But here's the thing. I'm going to go back to this. It's like you said. It can help both leagues. It's going to get both leagues exposure because guess what? You can see CFL stars who prove their worth in the CFL. You know what? Get an XFL contract and eventually get an NFL contract because the second incarnation of the XFL in 2020 actually was working out. Unfortunately, it was a casualty to COVID like a lot of things were in this world because I actually enjoyed the XFL last year when it was on. It's just my only thing with it. And this is why I feel like the CFL is great. Does the CFL go up against the uh, NFL? Sure. But you know what? They don't go up in all the major ways. Like, they know to stay out of the NFL's way for certain stuff. Like, they rarely play games on Sunday. There's only a few games on Sundays, and the main ones, too, are in the playoffs and the Grey Cup, which don't usually go up against any big NFL games anyway. Um, so, And then I'm just going to go down on the roads. Um, the CFL has Friday Night Football. The CFL has been trying for years to get the younger audience, because if you go – to a CFL game. It's a lot of older people. It's they have that older crowd, especially in markets like Toronto, like BC, even Montreal. It's the smaller cities in uh, Canada, like Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I, I'm just trying to remember what city, this exact city that the Rough Riders play in. It's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's the Calgary St. Peters. It's the Eskimos. It's the Red, it's the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yes, you heard that right. It is the Ottawa Red Blacks. Those are the teams in the CFL. These teams are only going to get better exposure. These smaller markets, and yes, they're big cities, but you know what? They're big cities in the set into Canada outside of Canada. These are not big cities. We call New Orleans, we call Buffalo, small NFL markets. But guess what? These small markets in Canada can only help too for the exact same thing. Like I was saying before, it's good exposure for both leagues. Does the XFL compete in very big markets in uh, North and in, um, in the states? Yeah, I don't. The only small market I can think of really is maybe St. Louis, but St. Louis at the same time too. That's not saying a lot because, like, look, New York, DC. Uh, I'm trying to remember other cities: Tampa, Seattle, Los Angeles, fuck, St. Louis. That's six. I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. So let's do this again. So you have the New York Guardians, you have the D.C. Defenders, you have the Tampa Bay Vipers, you have the St. Louis Battlehawks. Oh, yeah, you had Dallas uh, Renegades, you had the Houston Roughnecks, you have the L.A. Wildcats, you had the Seattle Dragons. I think that's it. I think there's eight. So, like, if you look at the markets, it's very, very, uh, it's very uh, similar. It's very... Bigger market cities. Um, the only thing you could say, though, actually, you know, you can't really say St. Louis only because look, they don't have an NFL team. Every other city they play in has an NFL team. But the, here's the thing: why I think the XFL also was good at succeeding in 2020 is because they kind of knew their role and they weren't trying to sell out stadiums. They're playing, uh, they're playing big. Um, they're playing in smaller stadiums, even though to Tampa Bay and Seattle were both playing in normal NFL stadiums. They're playing at Raymond James and now Lumen Fields. They were only trying to sell 20,000 tickets as opposed to 70,000 tickets. Selling 20,000 tickets is easy. I know it's 20,000. It's a big number. But you know what? It's easy. Um, I'm going to go on the note for a second quickly. The NHL and ESPN deal is great. The return of the music. The only thing I ask is that Gary Thorne does come back. Little foot non football note, people. Um, but here's the thing. Salary cap went down. But the, player, the good thing about this, though, is that the players still made their money. And also... Um, it's at 182.5 when it could have been as low as 178 or even 175 but it's normally at 198. And like how was saying earlier too, you know what? The Patriots are going to have uh, salary cap flexibility. they're not going to have a crazy – I don't know the, what the, – we'll see what the numbers are like this year going into next year. But like we said, the next two years, they're going to be okay. So this is the time to spend. And guess what? 2021, I believe with the rate of how vaccines are going out in the States that we will have probably close – if not close to full – If not full, close to full NFL stadiums next year. And also, to we're going to have more butts and seats, which you know what it means? That means concession revenues. That means merch revenues. That means parking revenue. Those are three big revenues extremes that the NFL relies on on a weekly basis that was killed this year. When even two, I didn't expect to see a million people attend NFL games in the United States this year. It happened. The NFL is a juggernaut. They will not shut down by any stretch of the imagination by right? any means necessary. If you see me tilting my head like this, it's because I'm trying to make sense. Oh, uh, Pentagon versus Cody. Okay, that's interesting. Um, do we get Hunter Henry? Phil, it's like what Pat and I were talking about earlier. I would love to see Hunter Henry on there, but if we can get Kyle Rudolph or John O. Smith at a cheaper price, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I'm not going to be mad at it. Why? Because look, Randy, Randy. It's like buying cards. I'm going to use buying cards as an example. You can buy a great pack for a hundred bucks. You don't know what you're going to get, or would you rather have five packs of cards that are only going to cost, or five boxes that are only going to cost you twenty bucks a box? Just do the math. Um, this is the biggest underrated topic right here that I want to address quickly. For those of you watching later, for those of you who are just listening to me on the podcast, which should be up, uh, either tonight or tomorrow, it's just sometimes YouTube to MP3 or mp i I do I had to do this to get the Gabby robot episode up on the podcast platforms. I had to do this. I had to go from YouTube to MP4 and then to MP3. So it was a bit of a process that I got solved last night. That episode's available everywhere else. Um, here's the big thing I'm going to address. The NFL on Amazon Prime is a huge, another revenue stream source for the league. The NFL on Amazon is exposure. All leagues want exposure. And that leads me to this the broadcasting contracts are up. Like you just said, how the uh, NHL and ESPN deal, you know what? The. NH like like the how ESPN's just making money off of it. ESPN's looking to spend their money. They got Walt Disney money. That's money that you or I probably won't ever see in our lifetimes. I'm not being insulting. I'm not being rude to anybody listening to this, but guess what? Disney is a billion dollar enterprise. Would I like to see a billion dollars in my life? Absolutely. Will it happen? No. So back to this. The broadcasting contracts are up at the end of next year, but they can negotiate this year. That's only gonna help the cap go up more. That's all I gotta say. See what we have next. Yeah, she was. She'll be back on, too. I have a lot of plans coming up. This is a good time to announce that during wrestling next week, I have confirmed it is the same guests from the Christmas episode. Phil, Danny, Matt, and Big Rat. We're going to be live on YouTube at around probably 8 or 8.30. We are doing all things live free agency. We're recapping free agency. Obviously, I know it's during wrestling time, which a lot of people won't tune in just because of that. But you know what? Free agency. This is a football podcast, and I have to cover all things football. That's it. That's just that's the cold no- Cole's notes of it. But you know what? I think I had to cover what I had to cover. I talked about the broadcasting. We talked about a shitload of Patriots talk, and also I addressed the XFL and the CFL working together. So we'll see where it goes. I'm gonna say uh, the cap went down. COVID. Simple answer is COVID nineteen. I'm doing both. Uh you'll be if you'll be here next Wednesday night, that's all we can count on, man. We're gonna try to get as many people. I'm gonna try to get a good amount of people in here as I can. Guys, for those of you listening, please go to my Twitter page though, at Mr. Griffin B. I am trying to get free swag and free Bud Light Seltzers from Bud Light Canada. So please retweet the tweet that is on my page. You will see it. I have retweeted it a couple of times because I'm trying to get as much traction for it as I can. So you know what? Another great podcast is in the books. I am out of here, guys. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Pat and I. And I'll see you guys back tomorrow night as Austin Gale is on to talk a little bit NFL Draft.
2: Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports.